Final Boy Status is a podcast about scary movies and the stuff that happens in them. The entire horror genre is generally frightening and disturbing. So if you're a kid, be sure to ask your parents if it's okay for you to listen. Or don't. You'd probably be cooler if you didn't ask for their permission. But then again, I won't tell you how to live your life. Also, we will be discussing spoilers during this podcast, so don't say we didn't warn you. Welcome back to Final Boy Status. It's it's us. Let's get something out of the way just real quick. I feel I'm gonna feel weird if I don't talk about this. Yeah. This is my first time hosting. He is the host. Oh. I'm he large never... and in charge. Yeah. It is a treat. I, it's, it is a succulent treat. So for for you guys out there, fans of the show, God bless you for being fans of the show. Uh, you will be very surprised to hear that it is me, Luke Howiter, hosting this week's episode. And as always, I am joined by two incredibly handsome men who are are deep. They're not over there. They're not. They're not in the kitchen. You gotta, Vincent, you talking about you Vincent? Get, I, I'm always talking about Vincent in a way. Yeah, true. But uh, today I'm talking about Lance and Lappin and Adam Boner here. Say hey, hello, hey. boys. Hey, hello, hey boys. Up, guys? <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> oh, I do what I'm told. <laughs> good little boy. <laughs> I'm full of regret. Uh, well, welcome back. We we have a treat for you guys. So, uh, we, I mean, we did a double header right out the gate, which is a fun way to start the season. But we were both. But we were both. We were all a little underwhelmed by those movies. Both. So yeah, we uh, we picked one that we were just super psyched to talk about. Yeah. We picked the incredible classic Jaws. Do you want to do you want to intro yeah. the movie for us a little bit, Lanson? Yeah, sure. heck yeah. So Jaws, the 1975 classic, little uh, little known film that uh, kind of put a, a small director on the map. You may have heard of him, Steven Spielberg. I don't know, just throwing names out there. But yeah, basically a bare-bones sort of introduction and premise to the movie is you have um, a small, isolated sea, uh, well, oceanside community called Amity Island that gets plagued by a man-eating great white shark. And so you have the sheriff and a bunch of other people who are trying to figure out how to solve this problem, which is the shark. It's a great adventure-slash-man-versus-nature-slash-comedy-action movie. It's a good time. Yeah, a little bit of horror mixed in there, too, which is why we get Heck free yeah. claim to this. We get to do it. Yeah. Uh, I, so, yeah, I mean, that's the basics. It's a shark attack movie where they got to take down a shark. So I feel like uh, best, let's just start with our general opinions of the movie, right? Let's, I mean, yeah. go around the table. Let's start with Adam. Sure. It feels weird giving thoughts on this movie as a review seeing that I feel like anything I say has been said a thousand times. You know what I'm saying? Like, this movie is great. I right. love it. It's yeah. a masterpiece. <laughs> yeah. It's one of my favorites. Uh, and watching it, like, I feel like every time I watch it, I just like it more. Um, yeah, I don't even know where to start with it. But I I, I think that uh, just the, the three acts are very compelling where, you know, you got the first where you don't ever see the shark really. It's just like people 
just dying and the suspense and, and the way the camera works in the first act is really cool to me where it's just really teasing the shark and then the second act you get a little little look at it and and then the third act it's it's there and I don't know. It's a really cool horror movie in that the the suspense of not seeing the creature till the end, I think it does a really good job. And uh yeah, it's it's really scary. I don't know, it's a great movie. So I guess uh starting with just like your general opinion, rating it out of thirteen, where does it land? Yeah, this is tough. I, it's it's hard to sit here and think of any faults about the movie. I mean, it it never drags. It's constantly intriguing to me. Um, all the characters act the way the characters should act. The mayor is a little funky in some of his decisions. <laughs> sure. But, you know, he's the antagonist. He's the bad guy. <laughs> like, it's it's to be expected. I, I right. don't want to fault the oh, movie yeah. on that. Well, yeah. And I'm, and I'm going to get into that. I got, I got okay. stuff going on in my Heck head. Heck yeah. We'll, we'll throw the Heck ball yeah. in Luke's court when it gets there. But honestly, I... I I'm going to give it a, a 12 out of 13. I think nice. it is Dang. a great horror movie. I think it's one of the best. Uh, I'm not giving it a 13 because, you know, I always believe there's room to grow. Sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You hear it's... that, Steven Spielberg? You got room to grow, buddy. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, space. man. Like, you're doing pretty good, but there's there's always the next level. You could know, be, you just got to be looking to level you up. Know? <laughs> uh, right, and I guess right on the heels of that, in terms of scary out of thirteen, how would you rate this movie for for our audience members if they want to gauge yeah. where this movie's at? I think this movie is a good horror movie because it is so much more than just a horror movie. Like you said, there's comedic aspects, there's adventure aspects, there's action aspects. So the movie isn't constantly scary. It's yeah. not. There's not this constant dread. Um, I mean, in some ways there is, but but it is a lot of different things so uh, i don't think it's the scariest movie ever made but i think the scenes where there is suspense and there is fear of death and there's yeah. the shark it's very scary so um at a 13 i'm gonna give it a nine nice. um it it's oh, it's going up on the charts there but again it's it's not reaching hereditary levels of just sure. after yeah. you're done just looking behind your shoulder <laughs> looking in the rearview mirror yeah. see what's going on is my mom on the ceiling again uh, especially, mom get down mom please no especially living in landlocked utah where right. i'm yeah, far yeah. from any ocean it's yeah. like there's no real threat to me True. right now <laughs> that i mean that's interesting because this is like the movie where i remember uh like I remember my mom telling me about seeing this movie and then being like scared of the bathtub. Like, oh dang, yeah. Like any, like any, <laughs> any body of water, water was suddenly. <laughs> Has terrifying. she not seen Ghostbusters too? Because that made me scared of the bathtub. I don't remember what happens in the bathtub. There's this like the ooze, sludge, yeah, yeah, the ooze that comes from to the bathtub, tries dude, to eat the baby. Oh, yeah. yeah, jeez, yep. it's a terrifying <laughs> scene. We talk about bathtub baby scenes. I'm just thinking about a beautiful mind. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> that one also. Gosh <laughs> dang, oh, boy. Whoa. good way to uh, raise the anxiety levels a bit. Like, uh, <laughs> of course, we got to take it over to Lanson. Yes. Uh, what's your general, what's your general vibe? What, what are you feeling? Yeah, so this is this is a movie. I feel like it's a movie of firsts for me because this is one of the first movies that I watched where I can remember being really, really scared no and way. understanding the plot and understanding, you know, what was happening. Of course, you know, in my little six or seven year old mind, you know. But you know, so so there's that aspect for me that makes it quite a quite a memorable experience as well as I mean, there's a lot of firsts as well. I mean, you got first movie, first major movie for Steven Spielberg, 
this is the movie that established the whole summer blockbuster. Before Jaws, you really yeah, didn't have that. Right. So I think that's worth noting and, and really does understand. I mean, even if you haven't seen the movie, you at least understand or have some recognition of, of the title Jaws, you know? So yeah, this isn't a movie you escape. Not at all. Yeah. Like, like you right now, if you have never seen this movie, you're still painfully aware of this movie. You can yeah. hum the theme you right can hum now. The theme yeah. song right now. It's yeah. just so it's iconic in yeah. every way. Yeah, so I mean and I mean, there's a lot to be said for obviously Adam pointed a really good point out where, you know, you don't see a lot of the shark. There's a lot of suspense, which I really like, you know, in horror movies or, or just movies in general, when you can be the, I, I feel like less is more, especially when you're dealing with a monster and, or an antagonist. The less you see and the more you can build it up in your imagination really is great. Um, and, I mean, everybody in the cast, uh, Roy, Roy Scheider, um, Richard Dreyfus, Robert Shaw, Lorraine Gary, all of them give great performances. So it's not just, you know, a movie that's eclipsed by the, the shark, which is obviously the star, but, I mean, you have so many great um great performances that tether this movie to kind of also allow the audience to kind of have that experience as well. So overall, out of 13, I would give this movie, I would match Adam. I would say it's a 12 out of 13 for me. Nice. Very nice. And and like, again, rating it for scary. So maybe some of our more squeamish viewers have an expectation set. How how would you rate it then? Oh, geez. Yeah. I'm, you know, as far as if you're squeamish, this, I mean, this, this really goes for it. So it's, it's definitely got some good gore in there. I think something for me, this is a personal fear I have. Like I'm a good swimmer. I know how to swim, but like being out in the open ocean is something that really puts me at unease. And I think really benefits this, this movie because the ocean is like, Jesus, it's like another planet, you yeah, know, as, yeah. as a human being, you're not built in the same capacity to be able to exist in that environment. So I would, I would, I would give this a, I'd match Adam again and give it a nine out of 13 for me. Oh, bang. Yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, you, you gentlemen like make amazing points. This movie is re- as revered as it is for a reason. It's incredibly well made. It's, uh, and the camera work you were talking about, there's I I could spend hours talking about talking about some of the shots in this movie. Like uh, at the very beginning when they're on the barge and they're having like their little town meeting in the barge, and Steven Spielberg's like smart enough to know that movement within the frame is enough to keep things interesting because yeah. that's just locked off; it doesn't move. But you have the barge itself moving, which creates an interesting flow in the background, and then you slowly have like the actors getting closer and closer to the camera and uh, that that whole scene was just so brilliant the acting of course can't be overlooked uh i made the comment during the movie uh when when, when it's sort of a when, when it's a movie that's like fun like happy death day we talk so much during the movie yeah a movie like this which is so good we're just dead silent like yeah. the whole movie <laughs> uh, robert shaw's big monologue you know the uh, you know, 1,100 men went into the water, 310 men came out of the water. That monologue, he's giving it, and I, I look over at these two guys, and all three of us are just glued. Like, we can't look at anything else. We can't say anything. We're just consumed. Uh, So to, like, yeah, to rate this movie, I yeah, I'm going to go right there with you guys. I'm going to say a 12 out of 13, yeah. just generally. Heck yeah. Um, Across the board. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, in terms of scary, um, I... Yeah, I mean, it's really good at building the suspense when it wants to, but I would also want, I, I, I do want to point out that part of what's so cool about this movie is 
it, it's willing to build that tension and it's also willing to just bring it right back down. It's willing to get you really worked up, but then it's willing to have a scene where you're fully relaxed and it's not the kind of horror movie where it waits for you to be relaxed and then scares you, Yeah, which right. is nice. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I'd give it a nine. I feel like this is a pretty good starter horror movie where yeah. there's some stuff to be scared of for sure. Uh, but there's nothing that's going to hit you like way too hard. It, yeah. Again, it's not like a hereditary True. where it's oh, like yeah. the entire movie you're on. Where edge. it's like, is that a decapitation? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you, oh boy, you're able to take a load off and you're able mm. to breathe. So I'm going to go slightly lower and I'm actually going to put it at an eight. Nice. Okay. Uh, but it's incredibly infect, uh, effective at what it tries to do. When absolutely. It wants to be, for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Uh, so I mean, like right out of the gate, we let's just jump into it. This is this is the stuff you come here for, I guess. Uh, my first time hosting, small mess up here. I should tell you, in this is the show where we figure out how you get out of a horror movie alive. I mean, we've all done it. We've all just hung out like with our friends after watching a scary movie, and we're like, you know, if I did, if the person in the movie did this, I bet they could have gotten away. Yeah. And we're all about that. We're all about taking a look at the killer, seeing what they're all about. And we're all about looking at the victims, seeing how they could step up their game. And we're all about figuring out how to get out alive. And how we would do it. Right. It's the most average of Joes. And how we would (laughs) survive better or worse. We got to have like t-shirts designed or something that say the most average of Joes. I feel like we are. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that's us. Uh, so, I mean, right in those lines, let's jump in. We've talked about no. this movie. It's a classic. We have nothing but good things to say about it. Now let's talk about probably the most famous part of this movie, which is, of course, the shark itself. Yeah. This is a fun killer to talk about because it's so, I don't know, it's such a ominous presence I mean, if we like just to jump into the strengths it has, it has the entire ocean yeah. where it's basically m- masked, or what's a better word? It's it's lost in the ocean to where you, you can't see it until it's right. attacking, like right. in the process of attacking. So it has the element of surprise. It's a big ass shark, yeah. bigger than anything anyone's seen. You know, it's it's uh, and it's got the. Um, it's got people to feed on with the stuff that the mayor is going on. There's, there's right. people in the ocean. And so honestly, this is a, a force to be reckoned with more than I think anything we've talked about before. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. Like, especially being in a place, not to jump to the victims, but thinking about it as a strength for him, it, it's in its element. It's in mm-hmm. the ocean. Yeah. yeah. I think humans, it's just that that's not where we're we're meant to be you know did you say that lanson earlier yeah yeah it's just not our we're not (laughs) fish people you know right well and i mean like it's pretty it's been said kind of famously i think that we know more about outer space than we do about the ocean absolutely right it's just such a big question Um, yeah and and i i feel like we also have to point out along those lines of we don't fully understand the ocean Mm -hmm. they make a point of saying in the movie this shark behaves atypically. Yeah. Right. Like uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss plays a shark expert. I can't remember the name of the character offhand, um, even though we just watched the movie. But Quint. he he makes a – not Hooper. Quint, but very nice try. Matt Hooper? Hooper? Matt Hooper, that's oh, right. that's not Richard um, Dreyfuss. But, but he oh, and Clint, uh, Robert Shaw, they both mm-hmm. make a point of saying to the, the police chief, to, to, to Roy Scheider, they both say like, I've never seen this before. Right. You know, Roy, Roy Scheider says, like, 
do they normally do this? And he's like, no. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, like at the very end when it starts circling and just attacking him over and over again, they're flabbergasted. So right. Right. Uh, another really important thing to point out about this shark is it's it's not something where necessarily knowledge is going to help. Because yeah. Matt Hooper is a shark expert. He yeah. studied it his entire life. Right. And he's totally flummoxed. He's like, I can't believe the shark is doing this right now. Like, right. this is crazy. Yeah. And I mean, in some ways that might come across as a little cheap in a movie if it was done poorly, but the yeah. way this movie is executed, it's so, you're totally cool with it. There, like, there are some movies where it would be like, I've never seen a shark do this before. And you're like, okay. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. the reason behind that is because it sets up Hooper as a character to trust because he comes in and he's like, everybody's wrong about the shark. The shark that you caught is not yeah. the right shark. And so... He's he is the expert that we begin to trust, but then once he says that, then we get scared. Right. And I think yeah. that's why it was executed yeah. well, because we it gave us time to trust the character as the expert. And so Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh I mean <laughs> I mean, what else is there to say about the shark? I mean It's a shark. And this is like one of the scariest things too. Like we talked I mean, um, it wasn't a part of this podcast, but we once did a very long podcast breaking down the movie Halloween. Yes. And one of the things we talked about is how scary it is when there's a killer who has no reason to kill. Yeah. They just kill. Yeah. Because that's sort of the case of Michael Myers. And I, I think that's something that's really interesting about this shark, too, is that, yeah, like, they they kill you know they they have to eat they're going to do that occasionally but especially towards the end of the movie it seems to be purely just like territorial like revenge story it's like yeah. oh you shoot me with a harpoon yeah. i'm going to f <laughs> up your life right and so i think uh, i think that's something that i would say about like the shark is it's truly hard it, you, i don't think you could understand it even if you broke it down to the base level of what does this shark want I have no idea what the shark wanted at the end of the movie. I think yeah. it just wanted to eat those guys. I yeah. think it was just, just like pissed off. It was just like vengeful at yeah. the end. Right. Um and I think that's something that's really important about the killer is you try to if you try to understand them, sometimes you need to break it down to that base level of why are they killing? And the shark doesn't necessarily have a reason. It, yeah. It's just something to do, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think that's definitely worth noting. I mean, we have to bring up the fact that it's a it's a fucking behemoth. The yeah, thing is yeah. huge. 25 feet long and 20... three tons. I love, he just says that, and we as an audience are like, oh, okay. That's, oh, yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. That's a big guy. That's <laughs> yeah. a big we, do, we don't question that. We're like, yeah, of course it's that big. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that like when they, when they first see him proper, the very famous, uh, that, that very famous scene with the, you're going to need a bigger boat. Right. Which, by the way, the funniest part about, uh, maybe it may be a tangent but man the the chief does not back off of that statement at all even like even <laughs> yeah. as the scene is fading out he's yelling at clint <laughs> we got to go back to the harbor we got to get a bigger boat he's still on that he's, <laughs> he's like yeah. what, what are we doing what are, it's not just it's this. not just a snappy one-liner he's being so serious right right uh so i i don't i don't know uh, lanson i i think I I I think you might have some some something interesting to say about this shark. Yeah, absolutely. So this was actually a really fun uh, movie to research, especially when it comes to 
I mean, this is kind of the movie that kicked off a lot of people's interests in the ocean and sharks. And I mean, geez, in the 1970s, we knew it's not like we know a ton now. We, we know more for sure. But in the 1970s, our knowledge of sharks was very limited. So just to kind of profile the killer of the shark, just to kind of throw some facts at you guys, just about like an average everyday great white that Hit is me. not yeah. 25 feet long. <laughs> I'll take it. You know, yeah, let's hear about it. Yeah. So a great. Well, do you do you happen to know what the average size is of a great white shark? Yeah. So for females, it is 15 to 20 feet long, um, and then for males, it is 13 to 15 feet long. So. <laughs> And then for uh, you guys know. Okay, sorry. Yeah, you go can, ahead. You guys know that like meme thing right now of like the tall vampire lady from uh, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> Apparently, shark boys are all about the tall vampire ladies. <laughs> <laughs> they want a giant mate, and I get it. I get it. By the way, if that vampire lady showed up and was like, "I'm gonna smother you to death," I'd be like, "Please." <laughs> oh no! Oh, I'm <laughs> so is, afraid. To quote, to quote Adam Michael Bone, "What is it? My birthday?" <laughs> Ah, uh, shoot. I'm sorry. I didn't, I'm no, sorry. you're totally you're totally good, man. But yeah, so um, just to give you a perspective of the largest shark, Great White, that was ever recorded um, in 1959 in Australia, it was 19.5 feet long and was nearly 4,000 pounds. So obviously this, this guy is abnormally large and abnormally, uh, abnormally gifted, you know, <laughs> physically. He went to Charles Xavier's school. <laughs> He's gift shark man. He's got a thing. Shark boy. <laughs> He's grown up. <laughs> He's getting revenge for the death of Lava Girl. <laughs> it's curtains for everybody. He got it. But yeah, it. so an interesting thing about great whites is their sense of smell is so good that they can track and find a colony of, of seals that's been recorded to be over two miles away. As well as they, sharks, most sharks, and specifically great whites, have these sensors in their snouts that allow them to pick up any sort of electric current just of anything that's living in the water. And especially when something living does move in the water, that amplifies that electrical current that they can find. So that's why a lot of times people would be like, punch the nose of the shark, which I, I don't know if that's really a thing. I've never had that happen. Wasn't, well, wasn't that a Didn't the Mythbusters try that? Oh, they probably did. Sounds like something I, they would. Yeah, I, I think they looked. I don't remember the. I don't know why I brought it up because I don't remember the outcome. But I think if you're really interested, check out an episode of MythBusters. Yeah, for I'm sure. I'm gonna do that. Heck yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll do. We'll all do that. Just right <laughs> after this, we're just gonna sit down and watch MythBusters for sure. Yeah, and just one one final thing that I found to be really cool that was along with the facts of how great whites hunt and in this movie is you see a lot of um, the camera angle panning up or going up towards the victim. And that's actually how great whites hunt is that wow. they will be deep underwater where you can't see them. And then they will breach and, um, come at you vertically. And sometimes, you know, if they're hunting like a seal, they'll come straight out of the water bite down just to disorient and, and get back in the water. So, yeah, I mean, these things are fast and in, in like a sprint burst, they can move 40 miles an hour in the water. So, Jeez. you know, wow, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a movie that I really like, especially in the sense of, I feel like on this podcast, we've probably done it before, but this is definitely a very glaring um, example of man versus nature, where you have something that is, I mean, geez, sharks are, the design of a shark is the same that it was 60 million years ago that it is today. They're dinosaurs that we have on the earth and the ocean. So 
it's a, it almost seems like an insurmountable foe with so many yeah. advantages in its elements. So, to speak, uh, if you're if you were you done with no, that yeah, thought? that was okay, that was it. Cool, didn't mean to cut you off at the you're end good. there, but I think one thing. But what's interesting is <laughs> Lance and I will cut off. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> why are you threatening Lance and I did it? <laughs> Lance, and shut up! <laughs> I'm so abused on this podcast, guys. Help me! <laughs> Adam's the real monster. <laughs> He makes us share a bedroom. <laughs> uh, <coughs> sorry, a little phased here. I am going to take a crack because I feel like we have to at a okay. weakness of the shark. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And my submission to this topic is we deal with a lot of ghost movies and supernatural movies right. where their power and influence is ambiguous, where right. you're like, what could they do? Could they sure. f- just kill me just just like that and that's right. it? Like probably. So I think the fact that this is not a supernatural entity, it's a it's sure. flesh and blood, it's mm-hmm. it's an animal, it it has animal instincts, it can be, you know, uh even though it is abnormal, it isn't uh it isn't supernatural. Right. And I think that is a it, to as a comparison to other movies we've watched is definitely a a uh, point of weakness where it can be blown up, it can be shot, right. it can yeah. be harpooned. Yeah. So it's right. it's a malleable object that that can be harnessed with great power and great struggle. Mm-hmm. But it's not this ambiguous force that lives and might kill right. you through yeah. whatever. Yeah, the rules are pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, it's even even something as simple as like we like famously, if a shark stops moving forward they drown like they can't go backwards yeah. they can only go forwards yeah. and quint even towards the end is like we just drive it into shallow waters make it so it can't turn around and it drowns right so it's like it it is a, a creature of flesh and blood like it's it it abides by the same rules we all do mm-hmm. it just happens to be a behemoth right it's just a big boy just a yeah. Just a big old, thick just a boy. thick boy. Thick boy. So beefy boy. thick with those black eyes. Doll's eyes. Doll's eyes. No, and, and you're absolutely right to like point that out. It's not insurmountable. Uh, obviously not, because they, they do defeat he, it. He right. blows it yeah. up. And, uh, I mean, I feel like this is kind of an interesting, interesting point to transition into talking about... Um, the, the characters in the movie, the victims, the people yeah. who go face to face with this shark. I think part of what makes the third act of this movie so cool is we see three intelligent, um, strong, capable men uh, who every time they're presented with a new problem, like they they're very methodical and they and they're rational and they make good smart decisions absolutely yeah um obviously like in everyday life if you're presented with a problem like sometimes in horror movies it's this thing of like as soon as plan a doesn't work you're just screwed (laughs) (laughs) um but that's not how real life works in real life if your plan doesn't work you problem solve you figure something else out um and it was really refreshing to see these three main characters throughout the third act. That's all they did. Anytime something didn't work, they pivoted to a new idea and they said, well, now we got to try this. Um, And that was just incredibly satisfying for me that it wasn't like we're dealing with a bunch of dum-dums here. Like we're very clearly dealing with people who 
just they know how life works. You've got to you got to handle the problems as they come up. You got to pivot to new ideas. You got to mm-hmm. pivot to new solutions. And every time something doesn't work, they try something else. Yeah. And that's ultimately how they they do defeat the shark is that they just keep trying idea after idea until one works. Right. And all three of them, I think it's interesting, are experts in different parts or different fields. So you have the brainiac, you know, textbook shark knowledge guy. Then you have the the brute force, you know, quint character who's who's killed sharks. And then you've got the 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 is what is he the the chief of police that's got a personal, uh, you know. What do you, I, don't, I don't really know what you call it, personal vendetta against the shark, yeah, a personal yeah. reason to want right. to kill it. So he has that motivation. So all three of those, so when you talk about finding new things that, you know, Quint is doing all of his things, and after he's done, he's like, all right, let's try the cage thing because I'm yeah. a lot of ideas. So they yeah. have different pools to pull from, which I think is a great strength for the characters we see a lot. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the chief of police is the one to pull the trigger because of his sheer, sheer willpower and... and you know, smarts and yeah. you know, being yeah. So it's cool to see that that they're all uh, smart and capable, but in three different ways that they pull from. Even though there's power struggles and everything right. that happens, which could be seen as a weakness. Yeah, it, the butting heads and trying to to be the one in charge to kill it. At the end, it, it was more of a strength, I think. Yeah, yeah. And not to get like too obviously a big like the hook of this podcast is we talk about surviving so Mm -hmm. i don't want to spend too much time being like a movie reviewer yeah but at the same time this movie being as good as it is you have to pause in a couple places and really highlight some things just Mm -hmm. to appreciate it yeah and and one thing i have to point out is uh in the hands of lesser actors that third act would be a, like a real sludge it would be yeah, terrible be to slow watch. and boring yeah because the third act is literally just three guys on a boat for like two three days pretty yeah. much yeah um and it's all power struggles trying to figure out yeah like you said it's power struggles it's them like slowly bonding mm-hmm. i mean there's like a lengthy <laughs> scene of them just sitting in the dining room together singing yeah and you're into it you're like right. heck yeah like they're buddies it's awesome and but then the next day, like they have more power struggles again, and in the hands of lesser actors, it would feel false. It would feel weird that they have this bonding moment, and then the next day, it's right back to like, "Quit, you're an idiot!" And, right? Shut up, boy. <laughs> you know, right? Like, uh, and yeah, to to not talk about the acting in this movie and not really take a second to appreciate it would be a crime. Yeah. So like. Uh, yeah, again, just like talking about three very distinct, very smart, very capable people in the hands of incredible actors. And again, I'm going to point out like Quint's monologue, like people make fun of it. Like I, like the version of it that I know more clearly is, uh, the, the one from master of disguise where Dana Carvey's (laughs) dressed as Robert Shaw, you know, like, you know, 92 kids go into the water. 26 kids come out of the water the ice cream man he took the rest <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. it's played up for laughs it's very silly um but there's a reason why like those parodies exist it's because it's so good mm-hmm. and um like even just looking at uh like in for most of the scene you can see richard dreyfus in the background and i don't think richard dreyfus is acting at all he's mm-hmm. just like so locked in to what robert shaw is doing and i yeah. 
if I was an actor on that set, I'd be the same way. I'd be like, wait, were we filming? Sorry. He was like, <laughs> right. He was doing something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, like the performances alone are a big reason to check out this movie. I, we, I know we kind of casually said earlier, if you haven't seen this movie, here's the rundown. I'm going to say this like, and we should have said it earlier. See this movie. It's great. If you haven't seen this movie, pause this podcast right now, go watch the movie, then come back. Yeah. It's PG. It's well, not too scary. <laughs> it's PG. It's totally yeah, fine. the seventies. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like to clarify PG, but still pretty intense. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Absolutely, this as like yeah. a kid, this is still the thing that sticks out to me is that second, that, that second attack, that second death, the kid on the raft yes. and the blood just, yeah. yeah. Like, cause there's all of a sudden just a, just a, just a geyser of blood and it really sticks with you. Yeah. yeah. And I remember like the first time I saw this, I think I was, I don't know. I must've been like 13, 14. I was a little bit older. Yeah. I gotcha. But at the same time, I don't think I fully knew like what the movie was going to be. I think mm-hmm. I, again, was like, Oh, it's PG. Like it doesn't really matter. And when I got to that scene, I literally like paused the movie mm-hmm. and I like walked away. And I, Dang, cause I was so, I was so upset and I was yeah. so shaken by it. Um, and, th- and that's genuinely like the power of this, this movie. I mean, this time, like, I don't think you guys noticed, but during uh, Clint's, Quint? Quint? Quint. 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 Robert Shaw. <laughs> During his death, I started to actually like tear up a little because I'm I'm referencing back to that monologue where he talks about watching his best friends die right. and hearing the way that they screamed and seeing the way that they suffered and his friend that was bitten in half by a shark and then watching all of those things happen to him in the order he described them in his story. He, he yeah. started with, you know, you... Yeah, he started with the whole, like, you hear him scream, and you hear, like, the horrible screams, and then he moves on to, like, his friend getting, like, cut in half, and then that happens to him. And it's, like, what the story he told earlier is happening to him in real time. And I, like, I was, like, tearing up. I was, like, no, like, oh, my God, like, Quint doesn't deserve to go out like this. Like, please let this not happen. And uh, especially for that to be sort of the final death of the movie and to be sort of that, like climax is incredibly effective there isn't like there isn't a character death in this movie you don't care about yeah but at the same time there isn't one you're going to care about more than quint right i think yeah i mean unless you're like 13 14 year old me and you need to full-on take like a half hour break after seeing a little <laughs> kid erupt in a vi- in a geyser of blood yeah um but yeah this time watching it like quint's death was like whoo it was really hard to watch sure yeah absolutely um that's just such a scary feeling to imagine yourself just sliding down that so helpless yeah like yeah that's that's a that's terrifying in an empathetic way to right. be like that just yeah. sliding into the jaws of a shark <laughs> yeah like, that's such a scary visual absolutely and and like and it's not you know and i think another thing that really got to me too is it's not like it's not pathetic it's not like no no, it very much is like a man versus nature thing to the end because right. he pulls out a he pulls out a knife and he's stabbing the shark yeah, as it's eating him. Yeah, he's like spitting up blood. He's lost his legs at this point and he's just stabbing it in the head. Yeah, with everything he's got. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it was brutal and kind of hard to watch. In but that but that's like so good. Absolutely, <laughs> in such a good way. Absolutely.
moving away from critiquing the film itself back yes. to surviving the movie. Back in our back in our lane. We yeah. apologize, but back back <laughs> in our lane. Yeah. Uh so I mean, obviously we we have our we have our three protagonists, but let's expand out a little bit. Yeah. Um and start looking for decisions in the movie, places where we would differ, right? Sort of weaknesses within the movie. Um and uh so I you know, we've talked about some of the things that the characters are really good with, you know, they they problem solve, they pivot, they're uh you know, they're willing to work together despite like their differences because they're very different people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now kind of expanding out further, now that we've focused a bit on that third act and everything that happens there, let's go back to like the beginning and from the beginning on, like assess those decisions, the different people at play there. I don't know. What do you guys, what do you guys make of it? Obviously, like if we were to break it down like death by death, some of the deaths are really avoidable and some of them are like, I mean, the first death, like nothing you, you, you don't, do. yeah, nothing yeah. you can do about that. Like, you don't know there's a shark there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, this is a good time. I mean, with the second death with Alice, Alex Kittner, I believe is his name. Alex, the little I just, boy. I just remember looking in the credits and seeing his name was Jeffrey, Jeffrey Voorhees. Heck yeah. I know. <laughs> just be like, oh man, a little frog boy got eaten by the shark. <laughs> nice and tasty. It was a tasty treat. <laughs> Amphibious. Little, little froggy boy. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, you you bring up a death that is avoidable. I think, you know, you you kind of see the the decisions and the bureaucracy of this small town that is uh, much of their economy is fueled by visitors that come during the summer and and you know, much of the community is built around the idea of being very resistant to that. You know, the beaches being closed, not having that revenue stream come through. But I don't know. I mean, as a as the police chief, as, you know, as Chief Brody, I think that's just one of those things where you got to be like, I mean, you can't make money if people are dying either. So it's like, you know, what's more important, survival or, you know, financial gain? So I don't know. I mean, that's a decision where obviously, you know, it's easy for me. And obviously <laughs> this is a fictional movie, but, you know, just to, I feel like I would have wanted to make the stance to kind of put my foot down and be like, that's not a boat propeller. Like some people are saying and yeah. amending the reports that it was that killed that girl. Like that's a shark and that's a problem. Like if we're thinking about this, this thing isn't going to stop just because we want it to, you know, we're going to have to do, we're going to have to be better at solving this problem rather than just hoping it doesn't happen again and hoping we got lucky and got the right shark. Yeah. And jumping to the decision of something that the movie didn't uh, show that much, and not that it should have or shouldn't have, but I think it would be a factor in real life, is um, the fact uh, what the shark attacks would do to the publicity of the beach in general. So, like, yeah. because there was a moment everyone was scared to go into the water, right. but they all went to the beach, so it's almost like those people going to the beach but are scared of sharks but went to the beach anyways but don't want right. to get into the water. It's kind of weird that they still all showed up. So I feel like uh, if I was a person and they're like, yeah, there's – because they had the TV crew there. It was mm -hmm. it was public yeah. knowledge that these deaths had happened and yeah. that there was a shark attack. I'd have been like, 
hit another beach. They said it in the movie <laughs> right. that there's like, you know, there's the uh, Long Island Beach and there's a bunch of other beaches around that people could go to if it was mm-hmm. closed, you know? Um, so the fact that people showed up, even though it was public knowledge, and you could tell they were scared because it, it's just kind of well, dumb. Well, don't they even say at some point, I might be making this up, but when they have like the giant like cruise ship full of people coming, yeah. don't they say they're like they're here because they heard about the shark and now like they have to see this was, beach with oh, their wow, own eyes? Yeah. I was wondering if that was part of it, but I don't remember specifically. Yeah, it I, seems I, like it was something that was touched on, maybe. Right. But. Yeah, I think we were talking in the middle of it. And <laughs> yeah, like, and not listening as closely as we could have been. Sure. But I think they brought something up about the, like the publicity was good for it. Yeah, they're like, you know, hey, a kid died, but now people want to come to our beach because it's the yeah. shark beach like they're they they're intrigued see the yeah. shark maybe or something yeah, yeah. that's um, possible true so like that is sort of an interesting point um so but it's <laughs> idiotic is, here, but here's going out on like a huge huge side thing yes and like i'm i'm not trying to make this political i'm just very much just making a statement yeah um I kept having the overwhelming thought during this movie of like safety versus economy is very like, like resonant outside of the movie right now, Mm -hmm. because that's what we've been living in. We've been living in a pandemic where it's coming down to like, what do we enforce for health and what do we, you know, and and what do we do to save the economy at the same time? Yeah, and so it's it's this thing of like we watch this movie, and maybe maybe like even like two or three years ago, I would have been like, "Are you kidding me? Like, this mayor won't shut down the beach for you know like a month or something? Like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, right. just shut everything down and call it a day." But now, after like living <laughs> through the pandemic. I don't want to act like, hey, we're we're done. It's all it's all over. But like having experienced as much of it as I have, that's mm-hmm. a very real thing. People yeah. like yeah. You, having like that those liberties taken away is something that is like a big deal uh, to certain groups of people. And certain groups of people are way more preoccupied with, I want to be able to go to the beach. I want to be able to make money. I want to be able to do this over like making mandates specifically for safety it, mm-hmm. it got weirdly resonant and was making me like because of my own personal feelings about like the pandemic and things it was giving me very visceral visceral reactions to decisions made in the movie and points made in the movie yeah because it's like you know like like i said two three years ago this would have been entertainment but like now sure. it's like oh fuck, this is real right <laughs> like, yeah this right. is for real like things that are happening in real life mm-hmm. and so like that's that's the point I'm going to make right now, which is since we're assessing like how people handle the situation, how like the victims and all this, um, there are probably people out there in the audience would be like, it makes no sense for the mayor to do that. It makes no sense for the townspeople to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just come right back out and say, actually, all those decisions make perfect sense because we've seen the real life equivalent. Sure. Um, Maybe you don't think the real life equivalent makes sense either, but at least it's it, it shows that people do make those decisions in real yeah, life. Yeah, and sure. and I'm really I'm I'm I can't stress enough. I'm trying to say this without an agenda. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to say like there is a one there is sort of a one to one there of right. like if you're saying like well a person would never make those decisions in real life. It's like well. Th- 
those decisions did get made in real life. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to say I know what the correct thing is. Yeah. But like at, at the same time, it, it's hard not to, not to feel that a bit, you know, where sure. it's like at, at various times he's like, well, we'll just open the beach, but we'll have like a shark patrol. And it's like, well, yeah, we've had like versions of that too, where it's sure. like, Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we shut some things down, but also like you know, that stuff, you know? <laughs> like, sure. So it's, and then, and then, and that's, and that's the point. The point I'm trying to make is that a decision like that is incredibly nuanced, and so many people with so many different decisions are involved that from the outside of the movie, it might be easy to look in and be like, these decisions don't make sense. No. But again, through like that real life frame of everybody has a different opinion, everybody has a different perspective, and everybody's trying to be heard, right? It starts to make a lot more sense. And then you can start to look at this movie and be like, you know what? That that's probably not incorrect. That yeah. that kind of like that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, so that was that was the big thing I wanted to I wanted to bring up. Absolutely. Because yeah. I was like, these guys will probably jump on it and be like, man, these guys are dumb. <laughs> right. And that's a good so point. So take that. <laughs> take that. I've outwitted you. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> yeah, and I mean. Um... Just another decision I think that was that was great that uh, Chief Brody made is, you know, after, oh, geez, the third attack where that guy in the rowboat ends up, you know, getting killed by the shark and just basically <laughs> lays down the law to the mayor and is like, hey, man, you're going to sign this. We're going to pay Quint the amount of money he wants. We're, we're solving the problem. We're going to be very direct in getting this done, which I think, you know, um, either way you could argue that maybe should have done before, but uh, certainly like that was a pivotal moment for that character and for the for the movie you know the characters to kind of get the ball rolling of having the beginning of the end of the shark yeah yeah i do think it's it, it, and it is interesting to point out that kind of when matt shows up what he's saying over and over is he's like you have two options you kill it or get abandoned this hunting ground by convincing it there's nothing here so it showed up it's had a couple of bites to eat it's like hey there's eating's good here so if they close the beach for a while eventually it gets bored and leave and leaves or they can kill it and i feel like it it is sort of weird to me that um if if there is one thing that's a little bit odd is that the the mayor doesn't want to commit to anything right it's like he's given two solutions it's not a thing so again not a thing of like you shut down completely or, sorry, I'm so inarticulate right now. I'm sorry. Um, but, like, there, there's two solutions. And uh, it's a little bit silly to me that the mayor keeps just moving forward as if he doesn't have to choose between either. Right, right. Like, he's like, we don't need to shut down. We don't need to kill the shark. Nobody worry about it. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, granted, he does for a time think that the shark is dead. Yeah. Although, like... Again, not to be, like, super weird about this, but one, like, super weird and shady thing he does is uh, when Matt is like, we should cut open this shark and make sure this is the right shark. And the mayor's like, I'm not doing that here on the dock. What if it is the shark? We're going to see the remains of a little boy all over the dock, which Mm -hmm. is a fair point, by the way. Yeah, for sure. But also, like as soon as the sheriff like uh, the sheriff walks away because he's confronted by the mom the mayor like sidles over and like is like 
hey guys, like uh, I want you to hide it here, and then in the morning I want you to get rid of it, and I don't want anybody to see it. Yeah. And it's like, whoa, why did you do that? Like, what's up with that? Just man? take it somewhere private and cut sure. it open. Yeah. yeah, if you're gonna be discreet about it, right? Yeah, like if you like if you're worried, if you're really worried, again, that's probably just him. His true motivations is he wants people to think the shark is dead. He doesn't care if this is the actual shark or not. Right. Um, so he is being shady, but that was a moment that was like, dude, are you for real? Like mm-hmm. it it wouldn't be that big a deal to just wait until everybody goes home, cut open the shark real quick and be like, yes or no. Right. So again, it's, it's a little bit frustrating because there are constantly solutions put in front of him. And every single time he's like, nah, nope. Yeah. And, it, and that is interesting as well, because, you know, without even confirming it, you know, everything's been put out in the paper that they caught the shark and you know um like even chief brody's wife when she's talking to uh dr hooper when he comes over for dinner she's like well everybody on the radio and everybody on the news was saying that they killed the shark you know and so for the mayor to allow that information to go forward without confirming that is another very poor choice very disturbing choice, yeah, really. yeah yeah i think uh in most horror movies, you have those moments where you're like, this is a different tangent, by the yeah. way, but, uh, or a different point. I'm not going on. <laughs> this is in line with our conversation. Um, where you're like, wow, that character really isn't acting under human uh, reaction or, or is acting against their character where they're like taking a break and like, okay, I think I lost him. You're like, mm-hmm. no, you, why would you think that? Or they don't double tap is what we always say. They don't yeah. double kill. Like yeah. things that, that, are that you're yelling at the screen, do this. This movie has very little of those because they do make really good decisions and the antagonists have good reason for the most part for what they're doing. The one scene where I didn't get this, and if you guys caught a thing, a dialogue that I missed or a reason for this to happen, please correct me. Uh, But just on this watch, I thought it was kind of weird in that scene where... uh, the the names are getting to me so the the main chief of police the like Brody? Brody. Brody yeah and Hooper yeah they're in the boat mm-hmm. it's late at night they're like let's go find the the shark and then they oh, go yeah. out they're a little drunk so like <laughs> right. that could be a reason but then they find the ship they see that it's shipwrecked he's like oh i i know this guy something obviously awful has happened and the dude's like i'm going to go check it out and he's like let's go just bring it like let's what he said let's tow it yeah and then we'll take a look at it he's like yeah we're, we'll do that but sure i want to check something first yeah and then he goes and sees the hole and sees the corpse which is a really scary scene but that decision to me is like why'd you do that yeah like just tow it back and then look at it like to me that was the moment where i wanted to yell at the screen like don't go in the water right obviously <laughs> nothing happened and i guess another thing he had all the equipment on his ship maybe it sure. would have seen the shark maybe he was knowledgeable enough to know that he was safe to go but in my brain, I was like, the shark attacked this ship. Yeah, it's it's been here maybe recently. Like mm-hmm. you don't know. Like it was a stupid decision, in my limited reference. Unless you guys, unless I missed something. But that was a, the scene in this movie where it was like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, bring it back to the dock, man. Um, if memory <laughs> serves, he tells Brody, "I have to see if the hull is breached." Oh, okay. Um, and that's why he went down. Okay. Uh, I I don't I I can't offer an explanation as to why that's important. Why he needs to yeah. check that. Maybe right. it affects like their. Maybe it affects them. How they like, tow it or something. Towing like that. it back in. Yeah, that's a possibility. 
yeah, maybe if the hull is breached, like they have to tow it a special way or they have to, you know, compensate for that. Sure. Because, you know, uh, but that was like the one line of dialogue that was offered is he says, I have to see if the hull is breached. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess maybe it's one of those things where it's not spoon feeding you the information. For sure. But, but I think that would have, I don't know. That was the scene where the one scene in this movie where I was where I wanted to yell at the screen, you know, right. the thing that we talk about, and I'm like, just just don't do that. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna get eaten. And I think that's a good. I have I have thoughts on that as well, where it's a good example to kind of highlight some of the weaknesses of the characters, specifically yeah. Hooper and Quint, is you know their ego, their pride, yeah. the yeah, need yeah. to be right. I think I think that definitely played part into Hooper wanting to be like, well, we can see it, but like, I want to see it. I want to know and have that be validated for yeah. me to, you know, have what I'm saying be the truth. And so, yeah, anyway, just kind of segueing into that, that also played a part into a lot of the reason why towards the end of the movie, they don't have a boat anymore is because yeah. everybody's like, well, I know how to do it and I know what's best and yada, yada, this is my boat. So definitely that's something where they work well together as a team in some aspects but certainly the ego and the need to be right and to be the one that kills the shark is definitely a weakness for that um for that party that's going out to kill the shark oh yeah yeah yeah. i and and again like to the brilliance of the movie every character is has faults for sure so even our three main characters that we're very much rooting for they have stuff that you know they have stuff that's not great i mean I think the big thing with Brody is obviously he he's moved to Amity from New York and his whole thing. Yeah. Basically like his whole thing is he wants to live life in the slow lane now. And I think that's like his biggest problem in the movies. Um, he's very much kind of willing to take a back seat to people Yeah, and really like, things only go his way when he finally like stops for a second. It's like, no, you know what? Like I got to take charge of this. I got to, I got to handle, I got to handle business. Um, and so like there, there's that, uh, Hooper very obviously has an ego and he needs to be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. And Shaw is just on a, on a revenge, (laughs) on a revenge mission. He's the Ahab. Yeah, exactly. Like he'll go crazy. And, uh, to, to do what he needs to do and he's going to do it his way. He won't be told how to do it. Yeah. And so I think um, each of them has that weakness exploited in one way or another through throughout. Yeah. And an interesting weakness too is, is uh, Brody is scared of water. He's aquaphobic. Like yeah. that's, that's kind of, and they don't play with that too much, I guess, but that is another weakness where he's like, I don't know, his main opponent is yeah. in the water. He's you don't, scared of Yeah, water. you don't see him in the water until the final act of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And by that point, well, and by that, kinda... yeah, the, you, he has no choice. The boat is gone. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really play into it, but it is, I guess, uh, another weakness that, uh, that, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Has. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, obviously, we, we're, we're talking about, like, the final three guys as the main characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we have to acknowledge the fact that one of them does in fact die. Yeah. So yes. it's it's not like comparing the three of us to those three is a one to one like we all survive. Like yeah. ag- again, you know, they they do their best, they're smart, they pivot, 
but they make mistakes. They mess up here and there, and one of them pays the price. Yeah, Very absolutely. nearly two of them. I mean, yeah. I think Hooper escapes by, like, pure luck. Yeah, pretty much. The shark just thought it got him or just, you know, didn't want to continue pursuing him, and he hid. Yeah, he he, he hides for, like, the final bit of the movie. And yeah. It decides to go tear up the boat instead of going after him, which is interesting. And that's right. interesting. Maybe it's the ego of the shark. Maybe. You know? <laughs> it's like, that's the big thing. It's like this right. big, it needs to get the boat. And it could have gotten another victim, <laughs> sure. you know? Yeah. So maybe I, the I, shark has the ego too. Yeah. And that's... Give me that. Give me that. <laughs> give me that rudder. <laughs> give me that rudder. <laughs> Fine ass rubber. Uh, rudder. <laughs> give me. Give me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a good point because it's not like. I mean, it's not like Hooper can really hide in the water from a shark. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's kinda, it knows you're not there. forever. You know? <laughs> kind of just gave up on him. You know? So, yeah. And so that's that's interesting as well with the shark. It acts abnormally, and I mean, I'm, I don't mean to know the psychology of the shark, but it's like it probably doesn't know the difference between, like, a, well, it probably does in some senses, but, like, seeing the boat is probably like, oh, that's the larger enemy yeah. that in some way is allowing these other land monkeys to be able to shoot me with <laughs> our land monkeys <laughs> so i need to attack that to get them in the water so you know yeah the shark is like the unstoppable oh, the, force and yeah it's well but, but also does the shark still have the barrels attached to it at that point uh i don't believe so when it's uh getting qu- to quint because you don't see the um yeah you don't see like the harpoons in its body anymore or anything like that because there's a time where they put it on the ship and then the things break yeah does that release well, no. Yeah, I. it feels I like at some point it no longer has the barrels on it. I'm yeah. not sure when that happens. Sure. But that could have contributed because Quint said, like, with three barrels, it just can't be – it can't go deep for that long. Yeah. Right. Um. So, yeah, that probably was what was going through Hooper's head is he thought, you know, mm, this, thing can't get, this thing can't get very deep right now, so I just got to go deep. If he had yeah. the barrels, that, that would be a smart thought. I, yeah. d- I don't remember if the shark had the barrels at that point or not, but yeah. that could have been a factor yeah. in that decision, and that sure. could have been why the shark didn't go after him, is it just physically couldn't. Sure. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so we, we, we've talked about the shark. We've talked about our characters. Yeah. Um. I I I don't I and now sort of comes the critical moment where we start to look at things and say could we do things differently and would it matter so so let's let's get yeah. down to like let's get down to the like uh, the, the the medal ceremony at this Olympics <laughs> uh, and let's go around the horn let's start with Adam let's just start with final boy status what what do you what do you think do you think you can get to like a like a quint position where you do pretty well but just a couple things go wrong and you're you're shark chum. Well, it, I feel like this movie is interesting where it kind of has the two, like there's the land decisions where they're making decisions on the land to prevent loss of life, and then there's in the boat mm-hmm. killing the shark. And I feel yeah. like I almost have to answer it in two different segments to be true to the movie. I feel like on the land, I obviously would fare a lot better because I'm on the <laughs> land and I'm not going to sure. die. But I feel like some of the decisions, uh, for example, if I was like in the mayor's position i would like to think i've never been a mayor or a politician sure. <laughs> again, average joe here so yeah. i have to just be self-aware of that but i think i would uh 
yeah, if there was a shark eating people, I'd been like, yeah, let's, let's close the beach. Let's get someone to kill that. That's not the right <laughs> shark. Let's go find the right shark. Right. Like, let's, uh, yeah. let's get this taken care of as fast as possible so we can open up and we can feel safe. Uh, and so I feel like just to p- bunch all those characters together because they're all with that quandary, I would say I would make that decision quicker and uh, and would have safety in mind first. Um when it comes to the boat stuff, if if it gets to that point and I'm on the boat and I I, I I'm I'm pretty dead in the water. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I ain't a sailor. I've I don't I've been on a boat in the lake once and yeah. I don't know. I I can swim, so that that's going that for helps. me. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But honestly, when it comes to doing the harpoons and 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 I don't know the 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 decisions they make with the barrel and the mouth and the gun and and yeah. everything along the way. Man, I, I there's no way I could have done that, and so I feel like even achieving Quint status right. is not <laughs> not great. I think I would would have died probably sooner uh, than final. So I don't think I'd have made final boy status. I feel like I would have died earlier on uh, if I was in the boat. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I think yeah. for me, just looking at it from that perspective of like land decisions like the dimension of being on land versus being in the ocean i think yeah i'd I'd be with adam if i were in the position to make the decisions of closing the beach i would you know it's better i don't know just in my mind it's better to you know be totally 100 percent sure and have a scientist be like yep that's the right shark and we can open up its belly yep those are the the kid that's the that's it so I, I think in that I would survive. And then on the ocean, I think I would definitely, I would have to be the Brody in that situation and have like two That's fair. seasoned sailors be on the ship with me for me to be able to do that. So if the, if I'm that character, I think that I'm, because I mean, Brody isn't really no. a seafaring guy at all, you know, so. Yeah, he's scared of boats and water. <laughs> yeah, so I mean. following orders. Right, That's exactly. So I think if it was that dynamic, I would survive. Um, as far as Quint, I mean, I feel like that's just really, I mean, obviously there are decisions made with like the engine blowing up and, you know, putting too much pressure on the engine and making some poor decisions with the, the attachments to the boat and the barrels and all that good stuff. But if we're getting down to it, I feel like with Quint, it's just ultimately just bad luck, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Where it's like, if you're Hooper, you were fortunate. If you're Brody, you're fortunate. But man, you just had that barrel roll over your hand. You couldn't keep a grip and you slid right down into the shark. So, yeah, that's hard for me. Um, so I don't, I, I think, I think I could make it to Quint's status at least, but I'm not so sure that I make it to Brody's status with making it all the way. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I feel like for me personally, uh again if we again like you you do have to put this into two different categories like if i'm a a land lover over here which i am um me as i am i i wouldn't go anywhere near the third act of this movie yeah i wouldn't even go near the beach i wouldn't be like oh shark beach let's go check it out (laughs) um i mean i really like sharks and i probably know more a little more about them than like the average person sure but at the same time uh i really don't think i have like the fascination or the know-how to be like 
Yeah, I should be on that boat. Right. <laughs> I, I, hand no. to hand, I could, I could hold my own. <laughs> yeah, hand to hand against this shark, I'm gonna throw some hands. Uh, Krav Maga. <laughs> <laughs> I just barely remembered there was a there was a TikTok that, um, somebody sent me. I feel like I showed it to Lance, and I don't think I showed yeah. it to you, Adam. But somebody like recreated like uh, that scene where Quint dies. Yeah. But they swapped. Uh, the shark and the guy. So it's a guy coming out of the water and just beating the crap out of a, a shark on top of a boat. <laughs> I just suddenly had that image pop up in my head, and it was it, it was so funny. Yeah, this oh, guy like comes like just like shooting out of the water, and the shark is like s- scared. <laughs> no guy just lands on top of it, is just wailing on it. <laughs> Sorry, random tangent. Yeah. Um, so I mean. Like on one hand, uh, I I I don't think I'd go near the boat. I I'd be like, I'm not qualified to do any of this. Yeah, having me on board is actually a liability. Right. I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. I don't have any interesting ideas to bring to the table. Yeah. Um, but say if I was on the boat, again, if I was in like Brody's shoes. I think I could make a lot of the same decisions he makes, at least where it's like. I I put things in Hooper's hands and in Quint's hands, but as soon as I have to make my own decision, like I could imagine looking at the at the tank and being like, "Hey, you know what? Sharks eat whatever goes go in their mouth. Let me just toss that in the mouth, shoot at it." Yeah. Um, I feel like I could make that decision, but again, uh, like that that's a lot of you know two seasoned shark experts are on the boat with right. me, which is not a given. Yeah. So, final boy status, I'm going to say, yeah, I could probably get there, because um, I guess final boy status is at least just ending up on the boat and dying there. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd avoid the beaches, I'd be fine through, like, the first two acts of this movie, but yeah, act three, if I got on the boat, I, I would probably die. Yeah. So, I'm, I, I mean, that transitions in, and we'll, we'll go just, like, backwards this time, yeah. final girl status... I just I can't give it to myself for this movie. Yeah. The the people who do survive are incredibly smart, incredibly capable, and get incredibly lucky. Yep. Um and yeah, it's it's a force of nature. It really is. It's not you can't outsmart it, you can't mm-hmm. uh, you can't overpower it. You just have to do your best. Yeah. And me personally, I don't see a version of this movie where I'm like all good. Yeah. <laughs> I think this movie ends very poorly for me. So, I, yeah, final boy status, I'll say that I can get there, but mm. final girl status, I will not I will not give myself that. Right. Okay. Um so I don't think I'm making final girl status, but the shark is definitely not going to live, and let me tell you why. <laughs> so, right. yeah. yeah, yeah Here's yeah. what's going to happen. So, when we're in that moment when the boat, the orca the boat is tipped, and the shark Forgot that was the is name right. Of the boat. <laughs> Sorry, I know, orca. right? Yeah, <laughs> and the the shark is just at the end, and you know you're just sliding down. I'm pulling out 
my monster energy drink. I'm shotgunning that. <laughs> and then I kept Hooper's poison in my other pocket. I'm down in that. And I'm going down the slip and slide with needle in hand. So I'm going right into the gullet, and I'm also taking the needle, so it's going through the side of the shark. So either way, like me poking it or him just eating me, he's dying. I'm poisoning him. So I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to yeah. eat myself to save Amity <laughs> is what I'm going to say is how it's going to happen. What a power move. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I'm going down. You're going down with me, man. I, I'm not making it. No, nope. <laughs> I'm not making it. I mean, I I said I wouldn't make final boy status. I'm not making final girl status. I feel like there were moments in this movie where like he's holding the rope and it gets out of his hands and it gives him a rope burn or when the rope ties around his his legs and it like oh, yeah, smushes yeah. him. You you made like. You had a visceral reaction to that. Like, that happened, and you were like, oh! That's like, just, like, if that happened to me, I'd be like, I'm going to get adios. under the bunker and pretend nothing of this is happening. Like, it's it's kind of dumb to say. I, maybe I'm not giving myself enough credit, but honestly, like, those would have been, like, the guys in this movie are just kind of like, yeah, uh, you know, shake it off. We got to right. greater. But to me, like, I don't know. I'm kind of a wimp when it comes to pain, <laughs> and I feel like I wouldn't be able to take it enough. I wouldn't even be, like, even if we were just sailing somewhere, not even fighting a shark, I don't know if I would have done it. <laughs> I don't know if I would have survived. I'd yeah. have been like, all right, take me back to land. I'm done. <laughs> just being in the ocean at all, I'll probably die. Yeah, just <laughs> on, on a boat. Uh, oh, man. Well, I mean, there it is. Uh, kind of mixed answers for Final Boy, but a, you know, right across the right across the table. None yeah. of us got Final Girl status. Nope. It's a, it a tough one to tough one to beat. A testament to, like, a good movie, though. Like, a yeah, good absolutely. horror movie is, you're like, yeah, the, those deaths are kind of inevitable in a way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but, I mean... Yeah, so let's 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 get into some uh, some pluggy plugs, uh, Adam. I know, I know you have stuff going on. Would you like to tell the audience about it? Yeah, I just want to plug Stacy's mom. Always has it going on. <laughs> but also, <laughs> I've got a show. How, how often do you plug Stacy's mom? Just <laughs> just for my own point of reference. It's it's as 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 often as I can. Nice. Okay. I get it. Usually I, you gotta Friday find and the Saturday. Time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Heck yeah, when you don't have school. Yeah, like three to five, I make my way over there. After I finish mowing her lawn. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Also, I'm in less importantly, I'm in <laughs> I'm in a uh I'm in a D and D show. If Dungeons and Dragons is your thing, it's definitely my thing. I love it. It's called Worlds Beyond. It's the first season of it. Uh, Luke is the producer, one of the producers. I'm around, yeah. And uh, a bunch of my friends are in it. We have a really good time. Uh, we got, um, it's called, it's, uh, I can't think of the name without thinking It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> the Sun Always Sets in the West <laughs> is the name of it. Yeah, the name of this campaign, yeah. And uh, it's a really good time. And so if you like D&D or you just like, my personality and Luke's knowledge and and uh, what do you call it? Fantasy. That's not the right word. <laughs> Imagination is the word I'm looking for. Then tune in because both of those things will be at play. Heck yeah! You can find us on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where yeah, can you find us? YouTube. It'll be on YouTube. Worlds Beyond. Yeah, I don't have a plug, but I think I would be remiss not to quote Tracy Jordan and to give a shout out to the audience. Live every week like it's Shark Week. 
<laughs> hey, that's the, that's the good stuff. I thought you were going to do the the Eric Andre show thing of like, want to give a quick shout out to Christina Applegate? <laughs> <laughs> Her too. Hey, man, like if you're watching this, I don't know. Is her I mean, daughter named Stacy? I I don't I, know. That would be amazing. That would, incredible. <laughs> that would really that would that would check a lot of boxes. You can for just me. you can just text me if you're chill with that. You got my number. I've commented on all your social media my number, so just make sure to <laughs> pass that my way and then I'll pass that information to Adam. So there you go. Thanks. Hey, good stuff. Uh th- man, this might be the first time in the history of the podcast that I don't have anything to plug. Well, because uh, let's see, when is this coming out? July 30, yeah, July 30th. I won't have much going on at that point in time. Yeah. I mean, check out worlds beyond uh, Adam's in it. He's, he's fantastic. He's really funny. And he's uh, giving like a really fantastic performance as well. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Luke Howiter, L U K E H A U E T E R. And yeah, I think, I think that's it for me. So we got to, yeah, got to bring it to a close is there anything you want to say to the the boys and girls out there in amity before we before we shut it down what is next episode let's tease the next movie so if you're following along you can watch it in between oh yeah yeah yeah. uh i mean this is the schedule pulled up I, I actually have the schedule okay. right here. Oh, do you yeah. need the schedule? I do. I, don't I know do. What the next Both of us need is. the schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I know what it is. Uh, Tell us. So, kind of fun thing about how we operated this season is everybody chose. Oh, is, is we each chose the movies movie? in kind of rotation. This oh, is Adam's movie. Fetch. Yeah, it's going to be the Baba Duke. Heck yeah! Definitely a personal. It's a movie with personal significance to me in my development of horror movies, so I'm excited to talk about it. So definitely check it out uh, uh, before next time, and you can follow along and give us your thoughts on social media or just shout them out to the rooftops, and we'll hear you. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can find us, uh, Underqualified Idiocracy Media, on Facebook and Instagram, uh, and at you idiocracy on Twitter if you're trying to track us down. Underqualifiedidiots at gmail.com if you want to just email us. But yeah, you can you can find us. We're not yeah. hard to find. We're no. If you have yep. any movie suggestions or uh, rude comments, we, we, we will take either. <laughs> hey, rude boys out there, get in the comments. Let us know what you think, what you hate. Uh, <laughs> Be rude. Not even about the show, just about stuff you hate. If you want to complain about your grandmother, like we'll we'll listen. <laughs> for a finite amount of time Luke sure. will listen that's his, his job that's his department it's like oh we got a grandma story here you go Luke <laughs> another one I'm only just now realizing that this is my job and I'm full of regret <laughs> yeah. thank you everybody for tuning it's in and contract. catch us next time good night everyone good night sleep tight don't let those sharks bite the- <laughs> oh, no. great whites bite oh man This has been an Underqualified Idiocracy Media production, produced by Lanson Lappin, Adam Bone, and Luke Houter. You can find additional content and final boy status updates on the YouTube channel for Underqualified Idiocracy Media. Uncut and extended episodes are available at patreon.com slash lukehouter. Theme music was written by Rachel Robison. You can hear more of Rachel's music at rachelrobisonmusic.com. You can also find her work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Robel Racheson. Temporary artwork provided by Luke Howder and Lewis Conrad.
This podcast was recorded in underqualified studios and edited by Luke Howder with special thanks to Mike Fuchs for providing audio assistance. The lustrous voice acting providing the intro and outro to this episode is Shane Alvey of the Paradox Files voice acting. You can explore more of his work on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at The Paradox Files. Thank you for tuning in. And never say, I'll be right back.